This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. This morning, my message is entitled Going for Gold, which, yeah, it's kind of appropriate given that the Commonwealth Games are on at the moment. I was talking to our daughter just on Thursday and I said something about the Commonwealth Games and she goes, oh, are the Commonwealth Games on? I'm like, yeah, they've been going for about a week. And she's like, oh, it's someone who doesn't watch TV. So, um, yeah, I guess if I hadn't seen the ad for it coming up, I mightn't have known either. But if you are interested um, or if you are interested, Australia now has a total of 155 medals in the Commonwealth Games as of this morning. They have 59 gold, 46 silver and 50 bronze. So they are doing very well. Our nation is giving us plenty to be proud about in the sporting arena. And in our house at the moment, we've been keeping an eye on how Mozambique is doing as well. And I was happy to announce to the Kandes family this morning that Mozambique has a medal in these games. They have a, a bronze medal in women's boxing, which takes their all-time Commonwealth Games tally over all the Commonwealth Games they've been in. It's lifted it from six to seven medals. So they now have two gold, two silver, and three bronze in their history. So, and I think I added up out of, I think there's 72 nations at these Commonwealth Games and 42 so far have medaled. So there's still a few who haven't quite achieved that podium status. But as one of the athletes, I think it was, mentioned um, the other day in an interview, they were like, it's humans who have decided that only one, two and three get on the podium. Like everyone who has got to those Commonwealth Games is they excel in their particular sport. So, yeah, we can just cheer on those underdogs and the ones who don't quite get there as well. But today we're going to look at 2 Timothy and chapter 4, our main scripture, and we're going to read verses 7 and 8. By the way, if you're wondering, Pastor Trevor is preaching at Ichuka at Life Source Church this morning, and um, that's where he is. So in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, these are the words of the Apostle Paul, and this letter, second letter to Timothy, is regarded as probably the last letter that Paul wrote. And it's reflected in the words that he, he has written here. He says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. Or a lot of versions say, I have kept the faith. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. So Timothy believes at this point that he's pretty much near the end of his life. He is in prison once again for his faith and his dogged determination to get the gospel message out to as much of 
his world as possible. And it's interesting, as he looks back on his life, he doesn't list all his achievements, nor does he complain about all the trials and troubles that he has come up against in his life. You can find a list elsewhere in one of his letters about some of the things he faced, but even in that context, he uses it to say that despite like having received however many lashes here and then, having been stoned almost to death, having endured shipwrecks, hunger, etc., etc., he used that list of things not as a complaint but in the fact that God had taught him to be content in wherever he was at in life, whether he had everything, whether he was comfortable or whether he was not. So at the end of his life here, he's not listing all his achievements. He's not complaining and bitterly bemoaning things that have gone wrong. He's reflecting more maybe on not so much what he's achieved but who he has been throughout those achievements and even the setbacks of his life, the person that he's been. So in your life today, you might be like, well, those words of Timothy, yeah, I relate to those words. My life is kind of in its last seasons and I can look back and and that is my claim too. Or you might be in this place today and go, wow, I've got so much life ahead of me. Those kind of final words, they are way off for me. But what about those words at the end of the year to look back on or at the end of each day even to look back on and have that kind of claim in your day? Not that you ticked off everything on your to-do list for the day but that you fought the good fight, finished the race and kept the faith in that particular day. So I think there's keys in just what Paul claimed at the end that we can apply to our life along the way, not waiting till we get the end and look back, not waiting till we get to the end of the year and look back. But along the way, we can be fighting a good fight. Some of you, just when you hear that phrase, you might go, oh, I'm not a very strong person. Just fighting the fight of life, it, it, it's just such a struggle. And someone who I um, read of recently who is a professor and an author, she said, your personal ability or inability doesn't indicate whether you are weak or strong, your dependence on God does. We are strong whenever we depend on God. So from the outset, when you consider fighting a good fight, don't get bogged down in, in your lack of strength or not. Just focus on dependence on God because that is when you are strong. So just some thoughts around fighting a good fight and some other scriptures related to that, which are mostly words of Paul as well. He's got a lot to say. 1 Timothy 6.12 talks about fighting the good fight. It says in 1 Timothy 6.12, Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life 
to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. They're about the true faith. So the true faith is the faith that the Bible talks of, that we hear again and again through the words of the New Testament, not a gospel that has changed over time, not a gospel that has been reworked into some kind of contemporary format, but the true faith, the fact that Jesus came to earth as God and fully man at the same time, that he lived a life of example, that he laid down that life for us, that he overcame the power of sin and death, that he rose again, that he will come back at a time that we don't know but we need to be ready for. The true faith, not deviating to some other version of faith, not undermining who Jesus' credentials were in what he did for us. The true faith. And a, a fight that involves declaring Declaring so well, that verse says, declaring before many witnesses. And we do have many witnesses in our life. Whether we attempt and have an aim to be an influencer or not, we are influencers. And as Nona Jones, who actually works for um, one of the social media companies, as an advisor on matters of faith, as she said, it doesn't matter how many followers you have if those followers aren't following Jesus through you. So it's not just the words that we declare that are the message of faith, but it's our entire life that people observe as they come in contact with us, as we influence them. It's a good fight that we're involved in. There's things that we we aren't fighting for when we're fighting the good fight. Jesus came up against many religious people in his day and they were pretty militant. We can read of one account in Matthew chapter 12 and they were fighting against what Jesus had come to proclaim. He had come to proclaim the kingdom of God, that there was a new way, that he was the hope of the world and the religious people were hanging on to what they wanted to believe. Matthew 12, verses 11 to 12, and the, um, the back story is that there's a man who has a um, physical disability and Jesus is about to heal him, but it's the Sabbath day. And the religious people are going, no, healing is work. You're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. You can't do that. And Jesus said to them in Matthew 12, 11, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. And in verse 14 we read, after Jesus goes ahead and follows up his words by healing the man, verse 14, then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. Like, that's pretty extreme 
Jesus is doing something good, but nope, nah, nah, can't do that. It's against their religious law. And we have to be careful that we aren't getting involved in those kinds of fights ourselves. We mightn't realise it, but and we hopefully aren't going to the extreme of threatening death for people, but but sometimes we can get our back up. We can be looking at things from that religious point of view and Jesus goes, hang on, just take a step back. Allow the Spirit to speak to you in this moment. So don't be fighting against those kind of things. Don't be fighting for things that, like hopping on the world's bandwagon and fighting fights purely from that point of view. I believe that the world has some excellent initiatives in um, social justice, in caring for the environment, in all kinds of things like that, that I believe they have that motivation because of the influence of the gospel in our world. I read a quote recently in a book on Australian church and Christian history that the world is more Christian than they think and our nation, it was specifically referring to, is more Christian than they think and the church is actually more worldly than we think. There's something for us to pause and think about. But so many of the people, even the people who claim to be atheists in our nation are probably more Christian than they think. Some of the causes that they fight for, they're fighting for the underdog, people who are caring for the disabled and seeking representation for them. In the world before Jesus came, people with disabilities were just written off. It was only after Jesus came and the gospel changed the world at that time that that the downtrodden began to be lifted up. So while the world has some great causes and, yeah, I believe probably the source of those are really because of Christianity in our world, we need to make sure we're supporting causes because of the gospel, not just because they're a good thing to do. We need to support, like even research into medical breakthroughs for cancer, for MND. Medical research, medical breakthroughs, that's great what the world of medicine can do. But that's not the only hope for people. People outside the church, they see that as their only hope. But we can support those things and say, but also we have a God who heals. We have a God who can bring a miracle that medical research can't do that at this stage. Hopefully down the the track, medical breakthroughs can help more people recover from more issues. But don't just hang your hope on that. We have a God who saves. So don't just fight for the world's causes. Make sure those causes are from the heart of Jesus, the heart of the gospel. And, of course, we know don't fight against people. Ephesians 6 and verse 12 tells us what to fight against. It is so easy to fight against people, though. Some people just rub us up the wrong way. They find us on a bad day 
and before we know it, we are, we are just letting them know what we really think or, yeah, we're, we're just not dealing with conflict in a healthy way, in the way that Jesus would want us to. But Ephesians 6.12 tells us, that we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And it's so easy to fight against people because we can see them, they're there, but there are spirits behind the evil that goes on in the world. There are spirits behind people's brokenness. And that is our true fight. And as we read Ephesians 6 down further, we, we read about that spiritual armour. And probably a lot of us can just name those items that are mentioned as our spiritual armour that we're encouraged to put on. The helmet of salvation, very good. The shield of faith. The, bre- the breastplate of righteousness the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, the shoes of the readiness to blah, 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 blah. That one's long. Like the others just have like one word, belt of truth, shield of faith, and then the shoes of the readiness to preach the good news of peace with God. I think we we focus on the other ones because they're easier to kind of grasp because they're a simple phrase, simple term. But along with that, there's just you don't go out to battle without your shoes on or hopefully you don't. Like I'm quite happy to wear bare feet lots of places, but I generally if I'm going to the shops, I put shoes on. Um, And if I was going on a literal battlefield, I would want some shoes on. And the shoes the readiness to preach the good news of peace with God. Don't forget about that one as well. And Philippians 1.27, just another thought about fighting the good fight is that we're fighting together. It's not fighting as loners. It's not fighting as individuals, but we're fighting together. It says there in Philippians 1.27, above all, You must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. So keep that in mind as well when you're fighting the good fight, that it's about fighting together. God values unity among his people. He demonstrates unity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit in perfect unity and he desires that we bring glory to his name by being in unity also, including in fighting the good fight. The second thing that Paul mentioned in his kind of last words, was finishing the race, finishing the race. And he speaks about that a little more in Philippians 3 and 13 to 14. Anyone can start a race. We can all start a race. The Aussies started the relay race 
last night in the heat and they didn't quite manage to finish it because the last baton changed, the guy fell over. And we were looking so good. But anyway, anyone can finish the race, but um, anyone can start the race. Finishes are impressive. But in Christ, anyone can finish the race as well, I believe. We can all be finishers. But Philippians 3, 13 to 14 says, Dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, that is perfection, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. As he forgets the past and he looks forward to what lies ahead. That's a key to finishing the race is looking forward, looking forward. When Ryan was very young in his first couple of years of primary school sports day, he was pretty good at running those races, which I don't know, they were pretty short back then, about 40 metres maybe. They weren't quite the 100 metres. But he would be running along and then he'd be turning his head and kind of running and looking back and I'm like, Keep looking forwards, keep looking forwards. You'll kind of, you'll fall over, you won't run as well. And they're going, Ryan, I'm telling him afterwards now, when you're running, look forwards, don't worry about them. Look forward. The past, getting caught up in the past and weighed down by the past can just drag us down in that race. It can just be a lead weight around our feet. You've got to look forward. Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3, something else important to finish our race and finish it well. says there, Hebrews 12 from verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Now, there's lots in those verses, but something I see is that it's important to travel light. It says there to strip off weight that slows us down, especially the sin that trips us up. So it's talking about overcoming sin, dealing with sin, but it, it kinds, there's other things as well, obviously, because it, it's referring to something else. So sometimes there's good things in life even that, just hold us back, things that we maybe need to just simplify a little in our life, that we need to find out exactly what God wants us to focus on and focus on that. Travel light, travel light. I can't believe some of those girls, some of those sprinters and that weight of hair that they carry. I'm like, why don't you... Cut it all off and you'll probably take two seconds off your time. It's like, it's amazing. That 
it's, it's amazing hair. Like, my hair would kind of never grow that way. It's pretty cool hair. But on a sprinter, someone who's trying to get there the fastest, I'm like, I don't, I don't know, don't know about that. But traveling light will help us be finishers. And another thought is that we run with the finish in mind, which we can see in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24. I uh, quote in a um, devotional plan that I read sometime recently said that discipline is important, that discipline is all about choosing what we want most over what we want in the moment. And just thinking about all those athletes, how much moment by moment, day by day, they have to make those choices. They can't sleep in because they have to get up and train if they want to finish the race well. They can't eat certain things if they want to finish their race well. They can't take up certain habits and lifestyle. Even they can't kind of maybe some of them like be like, no, you can't go skiing because lots of people break bones skiing, so that's forbidden. So they can't even have fun. Well, I've never been skiing. It doesn't really sound like fun to me, but some of you might consider skiing fun. But, yeah, there's lots of choices, that discipline, that discipline of choosing what we want most over what we want in the moment. When we don't know what we want in the future, we give in to whatever sounds good today. Isn't that true? So if you want to make good decisions and be disciplined, you'll have to decide early and often that what you're giving up is for a greater purpose. So true. And so it's important to run with the finish in mind. 1 Corinthians 9.24 Don't you realise that in a race everyone runs but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Running to win, running with the finish in mind, part of finishing that race. That's Paul's words again there. can see that mindset held him in really good stead that he got to that point where he says, I have finished the race. And for us, yeah, all of us can get a prize. You realise that. Not just one person is going to get the prize, but we can all share in the prize of eternal life, of that crown and that being in God's presence. The third thing that Paul mentioned was keeping the faith. Faith. It's not just having a faith experience at some point, not about a number of faith experiences here and there, but keeping the faith. It's about discipleship. Discipleship isn't all about doing a little course here and there, although learning about our faith and belief is important. Knowing what you believe is very important. The disciples, Jesus' disciples were discipled pretty much by following Jesus around and spending time with him. And that's what it's all about for us as well. 
Pastor Kerry Newhoff says discipleship, basically it means you're different than you were and that process continues until you die. It's pretty simple. But in keeping the faith, it's easy to become complacent along the way. So if you're going to keep the faith, don't become complacent. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13 says, Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Along with not being complacent, is it's important that we beware of the drift. It's so easy to drift in life. Just try hopping on some kind of flotation device on a flowing river and planning to go upstream but just laying there or sitting there and doing nothing and going, yep, I'm going upstream, that's what I'm going to do, and just sitting there. You're going to float downstream very quickly. So it's so easy to drift. Colossians 1, 22 and 23 says there, Yet now God has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. So don't be complacent and beware of the drift when you're keeping the faith, when you want to get to the end of the day or the year or the end of your life and say, I have kept the faith. And in the same vein, it's important that keeping the faith kind of involves defending. There's a defense aspect there. There's only one way to God. There's only one way, and that's through Jesus. And we have a world that that kind of says that there's multiple ways or, or says there's kind of versions of Christianity that are all okay. But it's important that we defend the faith that we have come to know Jesus through, the faith that's in the Word of God. And Remember that we have an enemy also to stand firm against. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 tells us that we need to stay alert. It says, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. It says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, but he's not a roaring lion. He's just a little kitty cat who's pretending. And we have the lion of the tribe of Judah who has defeated the power of the enemy. So we can stand firm because the victory is already won and the battle that we're in will see us come through and still standing, still keeping the faith on the other side when we 
do stand firm, when we do remain alert, when we do remember that we are on the winning side. And so Paul came to the end of his life able to claim those statements and in that passage that we read at the start, his words that he shared there, that, that second part that he said in 2 Timothy 4.8, he concluded that statement saying, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Mr. Paul Chapel said, the future does not trouble those whose eyes are looking for the return of Jesus Christ. We can live with confidence in this world. We can go for gold, the gold of that crown. But, I mean, the crown is kind of, I don't know what significance it will have for us. It's it's a prize at the end. It's something to aim for, but it's more that we're going to be in the presence of God forever. And I think that crown has a significance because we will rule and reign with Jesus as well. But to me, that's kind of secondary. Like it's him. It's him that we will see. It's him that we will be with. And, yeah, we are going to, I'm sure, have an awesome eternity doing what we are going to do, which is a little bit blurry from this perspective and point of view in our human flesh, but it's going to be fantastic and we can live today with our eyes on the prize just as Paul did. We can fight a good fight. We can keep on doing that. We can be finishers. We can live as ones who will finish the race, who will keep the faith. And as Paul declared there in his closing remarks that as we anticipate the gold crown, as we can anticipate the presence of God. It's not just anticipating it on our own behalf, but everyone else is going to be there too, like all the others who are going to be there. Like how amazing will that be? And while we are doing all that, we can aim to get everyone else there with us. Like let's not just be fighting and running and defending the faith for ourselves, but let's aim to just bring as many as possible along with us. If you'll stand with me as we close this morning. For some of you, the picture of just running and fighting, it it can be a little threatening and and scary almost, those kind of pictures and and you just know that you have failed so many times before. But as I mentioned earlier, it's God's power. It's depending on him and his spirit. He empowers us along the way. It's not just striving and effort and beating ourselves up to get there like the, the athletes going for gold at the Commonwealth Games, they, it's, it's pretty much it's all them. It's all their effort. It's their hard work. If they don't do the work, they, they aren't going to see that medal at the end. And we are responsible 
for our faith. We are responsible for choices that we make. But be encouraged in this place. If you just feel like like failure is just part of your DNA or something, be encouraged that God has not given us a spirit of fear, as 2 Timothy 1.7 says, but he has given us a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. The Holy Spirit empowers us to get to the prize. The Holy Spirit empowers us so that we can have confidence that the target that we're aiming for, which is to just be able to one day be in the presence of Jesus and to know that we've encouraged others who are there with us and that we have been part of their journey as well, that the excitement, the anticipation of that moment, we don't need to doubt that. We don't need to fear that we're going to miss out because of our own propensity to being human and frail and broken, but we can rely on the Spirit of God in us to bring us and help us and empower us to get to that place. So let me pray for you this morning before we finish. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you touch your people in this place this morning, that you touch people watching this message, that you touch us right where we're at, God, that you would just fill us afresh with your spirit and your power to be able to anticipate the prize awaiting us at the end of our life and even the satisfaction of a day lived for your glory, even the satisfaction of a week or a month or a year that we can look back on and we can know that you have helped us just stay true to you, to keep our eyes on you, to run our race just with integrity, with a life that brings honour and glory to you. Lord Jesus, I just pray for your encouragement, for your courage, for your presence around people who just feel like failure is just so much their story, chapter after chapter. God, I just thank you for your grace and your mercy that you are a God of second chances. God, let your power fill people afresh to be able to take another step, to walk another mile, to fight another day, to take up that armour that you provide, to know that strength is found in dependence upon you. When we are weak, you are strong. That is just such a comfort and a reassurance. Let that comfort people and assure them and encourage them in this place today. Holy Spirit, just come against that spirit of failure and the condemnation that comes with it. Jesus, you just dealt with condemnation. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So I just come against condemnation in our lives. In Jesus' name, that we would walk free of that, that we would know that we don't wear that tag on our life anymore when you, Jesus, are our Saviour and Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the victory that we can know 
in the day-to-day battles and the victory that we can anticipate at the end, whenever that may be, or when you come back and call us home. God, we just look forward to that day. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, let many in our world just come with us on that day. Let them decide before it's too late, God. Just just bring them to Jesus. Draw them to in your wonderful name. And God, I just pray your blessing upon these people as they go out into their day and their week. Lord, let them know your presence with you in a mighty way at every point in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.